So if you could change one thing about your life without having to work at it, what would you change? If there's one thing that you could, you could just be like on the matrix, you just plug in and all of a sudden you were 30 pounds lighter, <laughs> or, or, <laughs> or for some of us, 10 more pounds of muscle, maybe you could speak a foreign language, maybe you, you know a martial art, or something that if you said, oh, if I could just say, this is what I want to change about me, and it would change, what would it be? See, because when you think of often, at the beginning of the year, we're in a, a culture where culturally often we think about, yeah, these are the things as I look ahead I want to change, I want to work on. And sometimes what you need to do is you need to kind of do a reset. We, we have friends that every year in January, they do a Whole30 diet. They kind of do the cleanse throughout the month of January to, to reset and get ready. I said that's just ridiculous because there's football playoffs in January. Why would you set any health or eating goals in January? It doesn't start till after Super Bowl Sunday. That's, that's the beginning of the new year for me. And then there's March Madness, so I don't know. But either way, sometimes we, we have that beginning, the things we want to change. And, and my guess is if, if you could change one thing, often for us, we, we come up with those things that are the better version of ourselves, right? It, it's something that's just what we would perceive as a better version. And if you're like me, and actually, statistically, like 92% of the population, when you set new goals and resolutions, you won't follow through on them. Yes, 8% of the people follow through with their resolutions. If you're like me, often, your list would probably look something like this New Year's resolution list. <laughs> Where every year, you come up with some idea... And as the year goes on, you have to make adjustments. And the next year, and the next year. <laughs> because, let's be honest, the better version of yourself is really difficult. It's really difficult. As we're going into our new series here in January, it's called Spiritual De or it's called Detox. And... and healthy living from the inside out, and what we're really dealing with is what we call a spiritual detox. What would it look like to take some time to reset ourselves and, and reset just kind of our framework and how we're looking at the world in, in, in a way that then we can live out of this true identity of who we are? But the trouble is, from the beginning of time in Scripture, we find that we struggle with that. The things that we intend to do, the things that we want to do, we struggle to do. In our own spiritual lives, it might look the same as that New Year's resolution where we say, these are the things I'm going to do differently. These are the things I'm going to be better at, and yet you struggle. In fact, I love the way Paul writes it in Romans chapter 7. And this is the New Living Translation because I really like the way it captures it. Chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, he says this, I've discovered this principle, that when I want to do what is right... I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is a power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a captive to the sin that is still within me. So what Paul's articulating is this idea that we want to do what's right. Our hearts, we, we, we have this desire to live in our new identity and life in Christ, but so often... We're at war and we're battling 
that old self, our old identity. And it's a battle between what we know is true of our new identity and what used to be true, and there's something at war within us. And so today what we want to address is how do we start to work through that and get to the point where we can take steps towards a, a life in Christ that's healthy living from the inside out. Now, for context, I want to go back to last week a little bit. Matt set up this series, and I love the imagery that we're, we're using for this series that really came from some of his ideas, and I, I'm going to recap those so we understand. So this is the napkin version of last week's sermon. So this, this next slide, this shows the reality for us is we are living above the line. So there's a line that separates what is we call the unseen and eternal. So everything above the line is kind of, this is God's existence, where God exists, and there's no beginning, no end, it's eternal. And this is where our spiritual identity essentially lies. Think of this, when we are in Christ, when we surrender our lives to Christ, we have a new identity, and we are um, bonded with God, our spirit and God's spirit. We don't become God, but now that there's no longer separation, and that is above the line. It is the eternal and unseen world. And this is the, re the reality of who you are once you give your life to Christ. Your identity is above the line. And this, what is true of you, above the line, is that you are holy. You are forgiven. You are uh, at peace with God, and there's no separation between you and God. This is what is true of your spirit, above the line. That's good news. Would you agree? Now, below the line is where we live and exist. And if you can see the next slide, below the line is the temporary. It is the scene. It is what we experience here in the world now. And below the line, one thing we need to know about is this is a world that we live in that is marked by sin. There's a beginning, there is an end, but there's separation between us and God below the line in, in the world that we see here. That because sin affects life below the line. And in our beautiful illustration, you can see we're on a swing, and, and, and our bodies are the expressive part of it. This is where we express what we're experiencing below the line. And we're swinging. And I love the, the imagery of we're swinging back and forth between the good and the bad. We're swinging between joy and despair. We're experiencing holiness and sin. We're experiencing all the emotions of life below the line. But it is temporary, but it's what we see. And according to scripture, our suke, our soul, is kind of how we think and feel. So the, the three-part man is our spirit, our soul, and our body. And our soul, what we think and we feel, is experienced below the line. So if we're talking about we want to become people who live with an identity that's above the line, how do we do that when most of our existence, or all of our existence here, is below the line, swinging? How do we live out of the reality, our eternal reality, when the day-to-day -day life below the line has such an impact? When you're raising young kids and you wake up in the morning and you're not feeling well, but your young kids don't understand that you're sick and so they should clean the house and make their own food and give you a break. 
below the line, how do we respond? How can we be in our spiritual identity of holy and perfect when tough things happen? When coronavirus hits your household or your family? How do we deal with what Paul called that struggle, that battle between what you want to do and what you don't want to do? So what we're going to explore today is that soul peace, that thinking and feeling. What does it look like for us to really dive deep and examine our hearts, our thoughts, our feelings, and notice the patterns of those that then out of that starts to be expressed through our actions? And, and so how do we be people who take steps towards living with a renewed mind or a different way of thinking so that how our body expresses itself on the swing below the line is expressed in a life of faith that shows that it's rooted in our real identity above the line. You with me on that? So what we want to explore today is how does our thoughts and feelings, how do we address those? And, and just side note, I'm not addressing the piece, there's an important piece, a, a mental health piece to that, which actually next week we have a psychologist coming in and we're going to talk specifically about how mental health plays out in our spiritual lives. So that is a side note, we recognize your thoughts and feelings, there's a whole other piece that we're going to address next week. But this week, let's keep it to, what do we, how, what do, we do about this? Now, I want to show you a few verses. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he writes this, he says, do, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what he's really saying is, as you live in the below the line, and you're swinging on the swing, and your body is going through uh, this life, and your thoughts and actions are responding to the good, the bad, the joy, the pain, and all of that, Paul says, let's not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Let's not look like everyone else below the line, if you are rooted and grounded in Christ. But rather, be, re, by, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love the word transformed here. It's actually not a one-time thing. Uh, a better way to translate it is be transforming. It, it, it relates to the fact that as you live and exist in this world, you are in the process of transforming. So it's not a one-time Okay, I, I accepted Christ, now I'm transformed. Everything I used to be tempted by, I'm no longer tempted by. Every bad habit is gone because I'm in Christ now. But Paul says, be transforming by the renewing of your mind. He also writes in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 22, says this, In reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, which has been created in the image of God, in righteousness and holiness and truth. So again, Paul writes to the Ephesians, let's put off the old self, the old patterns and behaviors below the line, now that we are in Christ, that we've received God's forgiveness, and be renewed by your mind, so that renewing, change the way we think, and put on the new self. And what Paul's ultimately getting at is this idea that if we want to live this identity of our eternal life, holy, perfected, close with God, at peace with God, no separation, that is what's true of us. To really live in this world below the line and reflect it, our minds need to re be renewed and transformed. So today we're going to talk about why doesn't that happen? 
very easily. Because my guess is, if you are human, and last I checked, you are, this process of changing how we think and respond doesn't happen easily. You with me on that? And my guess is, most of us in here have thought patterns that we wish would change, and we've prayed for them to change, and we've read the right Bible verses to make them change, and we've done everything to change them, and sometimes they just take time. And sometimes you think, what's the point? I've done everything I can. And the answer to this, the solution isn't easy, but I want to, I think we can understand it best by understanding tigers. I was tempted to say to understand Tiger King, but the deeper I got into that, I'm like, no, 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 that's not going to help us. So, but I want you to understand tigers. Now, what about tigers will help us in our spiritual life? Now, tigers are territorial creatures. In the wild, they, they, they'll patrol an, an area anywhere from like 20 kilometers up to 1,000 kilometers or 1,500 in some cases in the most destitute areas where a tiger will patrol. That will be his territory. And in that territory, the tiger will eat, will hunt, will breed, will live, everything. And the tigers have a way of going around their territory and marking their territory. I have two golden retriever dogs. They, they, we own Antonitas Estates, by the way. Our, trust me. It's well marked. <laughs> but tigers do very, something very similar, and other tigers know that is not my turf. And if they want the turf, they'll have to fight to get it. Now, so that's kind of how they live and exist. And they patrol their territory. They know where their food exists, where they mate, all of that stuff. If you take a tiger from the wild and put it in captivity, one thing you'll find, and you, if you've ever seen a tiger in a small enclosed space, especially a small cage, the tiger will often pace, sometimes back and forth and sometimes in circles. Or, or the perimeter of the cage. And it will keep pacing back and forth. Because in its nature, it wants to mark its territory. And all of a sudden, its territory is a small space. In fact, a lot of people would say that that's anxiety producing in these animals as they walk back and forth. And part of it is their nature, is their longing for their space. But they don't have it. So they walk back and forth, sometimes in circles. Now, if you take a tiger that's lived in a small cage and it's been walking in circles its whole life and you take it and put it in a large enclosure what you will find often and we see this in some of the animal rescue places is those tigers will continue to walk in a small circle in their old cage though they now have a new life they're no longer in captivity their pathways in their behavior are the same as if they were still in captivity in a small space. And so if we think about our spiritual lives, many of us have lived our whole lives pacing in a small space. We've created pathways of our behaviors. It could be because of decisions you've made, but it could be because of circumstances that were given to you, things that have happened to you, the way people have treated you. And we've created these pathways where we have learned to walk in captivity. And sometimes that shows itself in behaviors that every time I feel uh, anxiety, every time I feel anger, then you turn to things like self-medication. 
Or, or maybe it's, I, I'm going to overeat because I don't feel well or good about myself here. Or people have mistreated me so that I'm going to go and find substances. Or maybe you become a shopaholic. Or you become other things that are become this pattern of behavior that is a way sometimes of coping, sometimes a way of trying to find healing. Whatever it is, we develop these pathways in our lives, even spiritually. So then when we find ourselves in Christ, we receive the forgiveness of Jesus, it's as if he takes us out of this small cage and says, you now have this freedom, you are not a captive tiger. You don't have to respond the way you've always responded, you don't have to live the way you've always lived, you now have this life that I have given you, and it is wonderful and big and abounding, and, and your identities in me, you don't have to be this. Yet most of us still struggle. Even though we know we're not in captivity, we walk as if we are. And let me just tell you a couple things right now. There is hope for all of us. Amen? We don't have to live in this small space, but I want you to know the more and more we realize that what we feel and experience down here and, and, and on the swing, when we realize there's more to it, when we realize we're not bound to this, that we have this new identity, there's such freedom that we can experience. But here's the thing. It just is hard to learn these new pathways. I wish it would just be magic that happened overnight. But as we look at this, I just want to show you a few things, and I hope these in actually encourage you. And then we're going to talk about what are some steps we can take. I want to encourage you first with saying, why is it so hard? What are the obstacles to living as our, our new selves? What are the obstacles for us to leave the cage and live in the wild? And there's a few obstacles that I just want to address. Let's just call them out. First one is this. Old habits die hard. One of the obstacles to living in a new self is old habits die hard. If you, your whole life, have struggled with something and you become a Christian, don't expect day two to be like, oh, weird, I never, never had that pattern again. I've lashed out in anger my whole life at things, and I became a Christian, and the next day I was, I was at peace. Someone cut me off on the freeway, and I was like, oh, blessed one. You cut me off, but I'm in Christ now. That doesn't bother me anymore. I'm in Jesus. Now, that would be awesome, right? And, and, and there are little things that hopefully change quickly. But let's re the reality is our immediate response on the swing and the life below the line is we go right back to this life in captivity. It's, it's easy because that's how we know how to respond. So the first obstacle is old habits die hard. Second thing is this. Transformation takes this is an obstacle. We live in an instant gratification world. Everything happens right away, right? Everything. I mean, now, as a parent, you can take a cute picture of your kids, you post it online, and you find out that 50 of your friends like it, like, right away. Back in the old days, you had to take a picture on camera, forget that the film was in there, a year and a half later, you develop it, and then you show it to the grandparents. Like, this is what your grandkid used to look like a year and a half ago. We're in an instant gratification world. So things that don't happen quickly, it's very difficult for us. 
In fact, there's this great research and talk uh, about millennials in the workforce. I'm not picking on millennials. They've lived, you guys have grown up in an instant gratification world. And so it had employers who aren't millennials. I like to think I am, but I, I'm reminded daily I'm not. But we have to remember that, oh, wait, your experience is not the same as ours. We have to learn patience with that, even in the workplace, how we lead. But you know what? In our spiritual lives, we want things to change right away. And when they don't, sometimes we just say, this is taking too much time. It's too hard. So we give up. What's another obstacle to uh, living as a new self? Fear. What if I walk in this new reality? What's out there? I'm used to this cage. I'm used to this. I'm used to responding in a certain way. What if I start to learn to forgive? What would that look like? What if I love someone who's not deserving of that? What if that doesn't work out for me? What if I decide that I'm not going to give my body physically and sexually to someone to get, earn their love? What if that means that they won't love me back and I'm alone? So fear is the thing that holds us back often. Things we don't know that might happen. Someone on the teaching team used the example of uh, a horror movie and actually said that uh, fear is kind of like for us, especially in our spiritual lives, are often like if you're watching a horror movie, which I don't recommend, by the way, but you're sitting in a theater and you have your popcorn and your soda and you're looking this at, this, at the screen and just completely freaked out. You start to wonder what's going to happen to you. Now, you are, in reality, completely safe. But what you start thinking and feeling and all the unknowns, even though you're completely safe, start to make you filled with fear. Sometimes in our spiritual lives, in Christ, we are, have everything we need. If we believe in what God gives us, we are secure. Even if our lives end, we have eternal life with Him. There's no reason to fear. We have all we need in Christ. We have our identity. We have our significance. We have uh, love. We're fully loved. We're fully close to God. But that fear, what if it's not real? What if I need to get that from someone else? It can hold us back. Another obstacle to look at is this. There's an enemy working against you. Let's just be honest. We believe that this world is a spiritual world. That means that there are spiritual forces of evil, and the enemy doesn't want you to experience freedom in Christ. The enemy doesn't want you to walk in this life that God has given you. So don't be surprised if some of your old patterns and behaviors and habits come back to you in the form of a reminder of, oh, you think you're new now? Oh, you think you're some holy person? That's not you. Not you. You're an addict. You're an angry person. You're a jerk. That's just who you are. Don't think it's going to change. The enemy knows your life, he knows your struggles. Now, he's not all knowing, by the way. We don't believe that the enemy can look in and know your thoughts. But as one speaker said, he reads your mail, he sorts through what can be seen. He knows when you're flipping through those channels, if you struggle with lust, and you just kind of go past that one show that the enemy's like, oh, wait, 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 stop there. Just see, maybe you need that. What's on that commercial? Or maybe you need to get updated on this show. Just, just for a moment. Find out what's happening. There's an enemy who's working against you and does not want you to experience the freedom that God has for you. 
Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And following, he says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against what? The knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What Paul's saying is, hey, don't be surprised if you're living in a world where, where the enemy is trying to get you to get stuck in your old thought patterns. The enemy's trying to get you to live in this and, and re- think like you can never be different. You can never change. And guess what? Sometimes there are people in your life who you love who keep telling you you should be in captivity. I've talked to some of you. Some, maybe in your marriage, you say, I'm going to change. And you go back to your spouse and you say, I, I want to change. I want to be different. And here's the voice you get back. Oh, I've heard this before. You always say you're going to be different. <laughs> it puts us back to, oh yeah, you're right. That's who I am. So Paul says, take every thought. We've learned to fight against this. It's a spiritual battle. And what we've done is take, we learn to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And therein lies a hint to the beginning of transformation. Of that process of taking our, cap, our thoughts captive and making it obedient to Christ. To say, does this match up with the reality of who I am? Does this match up with, with the reality of a person who's forgiven? You know, in my life, I've, I've always been a, a type of person who's kind of, um, you know, mile a minute. Uh, I, I like to, I, I always say, like, you know, I'll, I'll rest when I'm dead. Like, just life is, life is here to be lived and, ex- and, and experienced. And so I'm adrenaline junkie. And I was talking with our youth pastor this week about jumping out of airplanes. And he did it once and said that was stupid. I'm like, are you kidding? That's, like, that is the best thing you can do on this earth. Like, that it, there's nothing better than that. God made airplanes to jump out of. That's why he made them. And so, um, but for me, I, I tend to have this, like, just huge response to everything. And growing up, and, and especially when I first became a Christian, that sometimes would manifest itself in just, like, quick temper at things. Like, you know, you walk through the house and you stub your toe on the coffee table, and your response isn't like, oh, that hurts. It's, oh, you stupid coffee table. You walk through the house and you step on a Lego in the middle of the night, and you're like, you dumb Lego, how could you hurt me? And you, you throw the, and you just get angry at things. Some of you are like, what, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> Driving on the freeway, oh, you cut me off? Oh, it's on. It's on. Let's go. I'm going to drive up next to you and stare at you. How about that? <laughs> I don't know what that does small thing like that. Now, is that a person perfected in Christ? Is that my identity in Jesus? Is that someone who says, you know what, if I'm cut off, that doesn't diminish who I am as a person. That doesn't make me any less. I don't need to be better than that person. I don't need to be in front of that person. I mean, they're driving an ambulance, by the way. I shouldn't be mad. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Whatever it might be, that's not me. That's not me in Christ. But whatever it is, something inside is you have to fight for yourself. You have to be strong. You have to be ahead. And so sometimes maybe anger is how that manifests. And it's a process of God just working that away. Guess what? My first day of being a Christian wasn't the day that all of a sudden that never existed. 
things have changed over time. He works. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's not there at all. It's sometimes easy to jump right back into this pattern. Oh, it's comfortable. I know it. It's been 25 years, but oh, I still know this pathway. It's a process. It's learning to take that, cap, that thought captive. Sometimes successfully, sometimes after the fact. Oh, Lord, you know what I just did there? Yeah, I probably should have taken that thought captive, but I'll do it now. So let me just give you a few ideas that hopefully help in learning to take thoughts captive. I'm going to give them to you quickly, and we're not going to double-click on all these. I'm just going to throw them out there for you to think about. But remember, it's a process of learning to be who we are in Christ. So I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to say, oh, here's new law put on my shoulders. But this is things that I think are helpful. First one is this. Let's choose to surrender. We want to take thoughts captive. We have to choose to surrender. You have to make that choice. You have to choose. It's a, it's a prayer, a simple prayer that might look like this. God, what do you want to do with me next? What do you want to do with me next? You know, one of the things I think is true is the longer we are a Christian, the easier it is to just accept some of our old character patterns. Say, well, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I'm just a jerk. That's just who I am. I'm just a greedy person. That's just who I am. I'm an angry person. I'm a lustful person. That's just who I am. I want to challenge you, especially those of you who've been walking with Christ for a long time. When's the last time you prayed the prayer of surrender and say, God, what do you want to do with me? Is there anything you want to work in in my life? Prayer of surrender. Paul writes this in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He says, not by the works which we have done, but according to his mercy, God saved us by the washing of the new birth, and get this, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is transforming and making us new. It starts with surrender. God, renew me. I know my eternal identity, but Lord, on the swing, I just want to hand this over to you. What do you want to do with me? Next thought is this. Practice spiritual disciplines or participate in spiritual disciplines. What do we mean by that? These are things that sometimes these become the church answer, right? Oh, I struggle with lust. Oh, well, you know what you need? You need a Bible verse. If I give you a Bible verse, you will never struggle with this again. My wife and I have tons of conflict And our marriage has a lot of trouble Well, have you prayed today? If you would just pray, you will never have conflict again Oh, unenlightened one Sometimes We give quick solutions Now, I want to tell you I think spiritual disciplines like praying Like reading scripture For some of you, it might be When's the last time you put your phone down And you went out in nature and just were quiet And said, God, speak to me I think the spiritual discipline of putting your phone down should be added to the Bible. Amen? Anyone with me? Practice spiritual disciplines. Rehearse. This is starting to fill your mind with the things of God. Taking every thought captive when you're playing Grand Theft Auto is a really hard thing to do. But when you say, you know what, maybe instead of filling my mind with these things, I'm going to fill them with things of Christ. Again, instant solution? No, it's not. But promise, I promise you, 
If you walk your whole life without participating and trying to find ways to connect with God, you're not going to. If you never do it, you're just not. So practice spiritual disciplines. Next one is this. Join in community. Don't try to live your Christian life by yourself. When you live life by yourself, you'll always be the smartest one. You'll always be the most holy one. You're always going to have all the answers and have life figured out. By the way, if you live your life by, the, by yourself, you're always the, also the most sinful one and the dumbest one in the room. <laughs> when we live in community, we have people speak into us. We have people journey with us. One of the things I love about my life group is that we'll get a text in the middle of the week saying, hey, I was just thinking about this or I'm struggling with this. And you just see the encouragement pour on to one another to say, that's not true of you. That's not who you are. Thanks for sharing, but we want to remind you of the truth. You can't do that when you're by yourself. So here's a plug. If you're not in a group, go right now to respond.church and join. We have a thing called Rooted. It's going to start in a few weeks. It's a Sunday morning, uh, eight-week-long life group. Uh, and we want to encourage you, join Rooted. If you're not in a group, quit saying, well, I will later. No, no. Sign up right now for Rooted, and we'll help you get started. Last thing to think about today is this. Rehearse your identity. What do I mean by that? We... There's this scene from a VeggieTales movie, and I'm going to invite the worship team to start making their way up. A, a VeggieTales movie that, uh, from a long time ago, and there's a scene where someone is wearing this headphones and listening to a self-help tape. You know those self-help talks? And in it, he says, you are a skilled metal worker. And, and the character pulled it off and said, I didn't know that about myself. <laughs> okay, it's VeggieTales. It's ridiculous. But there's something about rehearsing the truth of who you are that starts to become reality. And if your whole life you walk around in this small cage saying, I'm a captive. I'm a captive because the way someone treated me when I was younger. I'm a captive because my family background. I'm a captive because I've made too many dumb decisions. I'm a captive, so I'm a sinner here. I'm a lustful person. I'm unforgiving. I'm angry. That's who I am. And you rehearse that, it's really hard to break out of the cage. But when we start to remember who you are in Christ, you say, actually, I'm a saint. I'm forgiven by Jesus. I'm at peace with God. I am holy. I am perfected in Christ. I have all I need. I, am, I can love. I am a person who loves others. I am compassionate. I am generous. That's who I am. Guess what? We find that truth in Scripture and rehearse that. And if you're married or you have kids... Rehearse it with one another. Work on not being the voice to tell them, oh, you're a caged tiger. But practice that. That's not you. We're going to end with a final song here. And as we end, uh, I want to just invite you, would you stand with me as, as we close? Again, I want to just give you a moment of just hope because I know one thing that's true is that everyone in here has a struggle, at least one. <laughs> Nobody in here has been perfected in Christ, because if you were, we would be doing your funeral right now. <laughs> when you're below the line, living on the, swinging on the swing, you're still going to have struggles, and you're going to have setbacks, you're going to have doubts, and you're going to have failures. That I promise you. who you are above the line is more true of you than anything else. So 
to give your life to Christ. That's who you are. So we're going to sing one final song and just be reminded that God takes the broken things. He takes the things of the world. He takes our past. He takes our failures. He takes even your failures you're about to have this week, and he can make them into something good. And that's our God who we're going to celebrate right now. So would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much. That, Lord, even though we're on a journey, you know we're on this journey. And you are doing the work of renewing and changing us and even teaching us how to think different, how to respond different, God. And we're going to fail. We're going to have setbacks. We're going to have times where we're just on that swing living anything but a life that looks like it's in you. And God, we thank you that we can fall on your grace in those moments. And God, in times when all of a sudden our lives start to look more like our eternal reality, we thank you that you are in that process, that it just proves how you're at work. So God, would you take this gift, would you take our hearts and shape us, do the work in us, transform us, that we may live above the lie, with the reality above the lie. We thank you and give you this time.